Hey, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you've tuned in for this, which is edition episode 44. Can you believe it? Even though we only started in January uh, 2020, episode 44 of Hypnosis Week. Yes, it's me again, Alex William Smith by birth, but known to more of you under the stage name Jonathan Royal, the British bad boy of hypnosis. And I am delighted to have a true legend of a guest this week, a gentleman who has got a best-selling book called Passion Into Profit, subtitled How to Make Big Money from Who You Are and What You Know. That's available on Amazon uh, and all major bookstores. And I 100% unreservedly recommend it. I got it when it came out and it's worth its weight in gold. He's also known as the Jet Set Speaker. Uh, because he literally jets around the world speaking at massively attended events. He runs a business called the Speakers University to teach people just like you, the viewer, and just like me, how to break into that arena of speaking at large events and how to monetize it. He also runs events called Power to Achieve, which I'll sum it up briefly as being kind of a, a British Anthony Robbins life-changing type event and a whole bunch of other things that he truly excels in that hopefully he'll share insights with us over the next 60 minutes. So please welcome to the show, the legend that is Mr. Andy Harrington. How are you doing, dude? Good, Alex. Thank you so much for inviting me on and to uh, participate in this and get a chance to reach your audience. Thank you. Uh, thanks for being here. Look, let's start right in the beginning, because none of us in this industry, whether we, we go down the therapy route or the entertainment route or the motivational self-help route, which we, none of us were born into it. Um, well, I say none of us. I practically was, but that's irrelevant. Some of us are freaks, but most of us are not born into the industry. So we have a journey to get there. Now, I know that you came from some really dark places in the past from the research I've done. You know, you've got bios online, I, I, you know, mention of drugs, marriage breakup and all that. And you've really turned things around massively. Could you kind of explain to viewers how you got to where you are now? Yeah, well, firstly, I think I'm not unique in that I am a human being that's experienced suffering or loss. You know, that's the great unifier for everyone. You know, typically every 10 years at least, we are going to have some kind of large, significant emotional event that changes a life in some ways. Um, I guess some people um, take those things that happen and makes their lives more limited. Uh, and some of us, of course, take those things and try to make our life more expensive in some way. Uh, depending on the meaning you attach, obviously, and the decisions you make thereafter will largely depend on, you know, where you end up going. So, yeah, for sure. Um, and I've just been, I guess, fortunate enough in my career, in my life, to have met some great people at the right times. But I believe, you know, for all of us, the catalysts in our life are always there. There's always... Uh, the catalyst that can help you um, when you're stuck in a, uh, a after a big significant change in life normally we go into a pattern of inaction or reaction or wrong action um, but i believe there's always the catalysts that are there to pull us up into the right action challenge is of course the right action is normally the most scariest one to do because it typically involves you having to let go of something you are attached to and also starting something that you're not attached to and you've got to have the foresight uh, and the mindset and the the fortitude to do that so i guess i've been lucky enough to do that over the years 
But I guess one of the things I've discovered more than anything is that, you know, the, the area we've talked about, personal development, I suppose, is one label for it or the mentoring industry. Um, personal development is never a one-time only experience. You know, wow, wouldn't it be great if it was? But then that's the same as saying, wouldn't it be great if you could just work out one time and be muscly, you know? Um, in essence, it's an ongoing pruning experience or an ongoing gardening experience that weeds your mind because in the same way that, you know, a computer has to operate in a way that means it upgrades its operating system regularly because of the demands put on it by the users. Or in fact, the fact that it gets bugs and viruses naturally anyway, it has to evolve and human beings are no different. Challenges, most of us don't want to evolve. We want to stay the same a lot of the time uh, when the change is something that we don't like. We don't mind change when it's on our terms. We just don't like change when it's not on our terms. But pain equals gain. Now, for most of us, pain can equal gain in that painful times is when we're forced to change. And it's normally then that we make the biggest change uh, because it becomes necessary. And uh, the world's like that. I mean, that's evolution, right? Evolution says you change because you have to, because survival of the fittest, etc. You know, we have to adapt and evolve. And I think throughout most people's lives, as they get older, uh, typically a lot of us will get unfortunately more limited in what we choose to do because we are now afraid of stuff happening that we weren't afraid of before. Um, when the cho choices actually become more empowered, uh, we could do more new things if we have that as our mantra. So for me, I guess I'm lucky enough to have had a, a decent childhood, although it did, did end you know, when I was 13 and my parents left. That was a big shocking news for the first time. Um, I've just been lucky enough to have met the right people at the right time and to have made some decisions around that. And, you know, it's a bumpy ride. Life is that, you know, it's another a nice steady climb. You know, it'd be lovely if it was, but in the stock market doesn't climb steadily every day either. There's always going to be ups and downs. That's life. Mm -hmm. um, and what I like to do now is to help people to realise, you know, that they've got ability, they've got knowledge, they've got know-how, they've got experience. And there are other people out there that are going to go through the same problems you've been through. So if you can create out of your head, if you can create some kind of formula, some kind of roadmap, some kind of template, some kind of recipe, if you will, that other people can follow to get out of a problem to the result they want. You know, there's always a gap, isn't there? There's a gap between where they are, your client, and where they want to be. And your goal is to provide a solution, whatever that solution is, um, that bridges the gap between where they are and where they want to be. And you can provide that as a service, you can provide it as a product, but that's what it has to do. So in essence, find out who you want to work with, what's the client's problem, where do they want to get to, how they're going to get there, figure out the answer and sell them that. Simple, isn't it, really, when you think about it? Yeah, it sounds so simple when you say it like that. And for people at home, there'll be some no doubt thinking, oh, he makes it sound so simple. It's all well and good for him. He's done it. Let, let me tell you, viewers, if you when you not if when you go to Amazon and make that intelligent decision to grab your copy of Passion into Profit, you will see stuff in there that when you read it again, you'll go, that seems too simple. And it is apparently seemingly too simple if you just read it and think about it in your head. The hardest thing is actually taking action and starting to do something like Andy's just alluded to. And that's the difference between people that actually make changes and don't, is actually taking action. Andy can give you all the wonderful advice on the planet, but if you don't take action on it, nothing's 
going to change. And that's the same if you go on YouTube and type in um, youtube.com forward slash public speaking truth and go to Andy's YouTube channel. He's got some amazing videos on public speaking, how to monetize audiences. And it seems ridiculously simple when he breaks it down. And in essence, it is. But you've got to get off your backside and put it into action. What advice could you give? I'm not saying that everyone watching is procrastinators, because I'm sure they're not. And I won't want to upset all the viewers that way. But I think a lot of people probably do have that fear that you mentioned before. And one of the biggest fears we know as therapists is of public speaking. And yet public speaking can be one of the best ways of monetizing our talents. How would you advise people to get over that block? Well, personally, people don't people don't procrastinate over things that they've got gain attached to. So, you know, you procrastinate over stuff that's in your head. You've associate some level of discomfort or pain or fear. So, in essence, all the time you've got the association in your mind that the thing you want to take action on, whether it's public speaking or anything else for that matter, if in your mind you associate that could lead to pain, discomfort. Uh, frustration or whatever, then all the time that it's going to set up that way, then even though your brain saying, look, you need to do this because it makes sense. In essence, you're like a house divided because you are in conflict with yourself because there's a part of you that says you need to do it. And that's your brain. And then your heart part, which isn't really your heart, but it's that part of your brain that sends the chemicals to your heart and other places, your limbic system in essence, are in conflict with each other. So you've got to get in coherence, which is, you know, what hypnosis does. It's what uh, any form of good therapy should do is unite someone so they're not in conflict with themselves, in which case, you know, what they want to do is something that they can do. And so it's not this internal conflict. That's what hypnosis, you know, great, you know, you know that can do is it puts people into a relaxed state where we can begin to, in an altered state of consciousness, can begin to reorientate thinking, not operate out of fear. Because in essence, what is fear anyway? It's just an imagination, isn't it? It's you imagining something in your mind that's going to happen in the future. It's predicting an outcome the way you don't want it to be. And you're actually in control of that. The fear is always experienced in the moment called now. So if that's true, then it's also true that confidence and feeling comfortable can be experienced in the moment called now as well if you change the images and pictures that you're making in your mind that actually cause you to feel that way, which in essence is the, you know, the, the foundations of NLP or hypnosis or any kind of great therapy. It's really, you know, because what is thinking? Thinking is nothing more than the pictures you make in your mind, uh, whether they move or still. And it's the conversation you have with your in your head, whether you're asking yourself disempowering questions or making shitty disempowering statements. But either way, you're running a pattern, so-called, that creates something called fear. So, you know, if you want to do something, because you cannot make yourself do something you don't value, you've got to value it in the first place. You have to have the association of this would work. But if you're in conflict with that and saying, well, I'm not sure, you know, I, I would feel uncomfortable doing this, then you have to examine what is it in your mind that's actually making you feel uncomfortable. And then, in essence, you need to break that cycle and pattern with some help from somebody else because actually it's never that easy to do it by yourself. It actually is much easier and faster to get somebody to do it with you, whether it's with someone like yourself, Alex, or some other helping professional. Now, I'm probably petering 
preaching to the converted somewhat there, in that if, for example, many of your colleagues, your people in your list are into hypnosis, for example, then swallow some of your own medicine. And ultimately, you know, get yourself to do the very thing you've Fortunately, most therapists are searching for answers to their own problems. And then what I see so much of, and it does my head in, is that people won't pay attention to themselves. They'll go on all these wonderful courses to help the clients, apparently, but they won't do anything that would help themselves quite often. Yeah. Well, that, that, you know, that's not the case in every case, but when that does happen, that's just displacement. It's just a, a way of, you know, seemingly doing something with what you've got, but not benefiting from it yourself. So in essence, people do need to swallow their own medicine. But I think that's a harsh, a harsh thing to say. To say. I don't think that is the case for most people. I think a lot of the time it's really down to uh, other reasons or beliefs they have, which often is, I don't have the time. Um, because they people in the industry that they're in, if they are already a helping professional, what's happened is they've become very attached to doing things one way, which is the one-to-one approach, mm-hmm. maybe getting business through referrals, etc., and and not maybe moving into more modern times uh, and doing the things that would get you know much bigger number of clients. And, and quite frankly, I'm not always that interested in just having more clients. I just want them paying more. Because, you know, having more clients often equals more work. So the question becomes, how do you get paid five times the amount for the same actual work that you're doing now? And really, the only way you do that is by raising your prices. And But people won't raise their prices because they think that people won't pay them. Now, that's often a mindset, number one. But secondly, it doesn't come down to the quality of the result you're getting people. It actually comes down to marketing and it comes down to positioning. So, you know, if your positioning in the marketplace is that you're just, you know, an unknown quantity and you just happen across people at the right time, then the transactional value is kind of low because you've just got lucky enough to be in front of the right person at the right time. But when you've got a positioning that says you have somewhat of a status because, you know, you have got content available, you've got videos available, you have started, you know, using social media channels or just you've got a presentation in a webinar, for example, that just is barnstormingly great, that gets people to say, wow, this person's really knowledgeable and got great know-how, then you know the, the key here is making sure that when they buy from you, they're taking a risk in that they're not sort of just blindly trusting you. You have to demonstrate through a presentation that you've got a process that works. You've got a formula. Um, Because if you haven't got that recipe and formula, it's really hard to explain to somebody who doesn't know you how you're actually going to solve the problem. Because what you need to do is map out that formula in a recipe that they can actually see. So in a presentation, you can show that on a slide. You've got like a recipe that you follow, you know, a six step process, for example. And you've got to then demonstrate how that process really works. Hopefully show case studies and examples of people who have used that formula to get them from where they are to where they are from pain to gain, you know, whether that's stopping smoking or whether that is overcoming grief or whether that's improving your marketing, your sales or whatever it is that you happen to help people with. You have to be able to physically demonstrate because in essence, most businesses sell a service. They don't sell a product. They sell a service. 
Mm-hmm. Now, there's two problems with the service. One, it's got to be delivered by a human being, and it's often the person listening to this call right now. So there's only one of you. So in that respect, it doesn't scale. Um, and the second reason, the problem, is that a service is invisible. You cannot see it. It's invisible. There's no, like with a product, I can show you an iPhone, and I can show you a Mac, and I can demonstrate it and go, wow, okay, this is great. I'll get my hands on it. Or I can get you to try some clothes on in the fitting room, in the changing room, and you can literally feel like, you know, wow, this feels good on me. A service doesn't have those qualities. And so what you've got to do is turn it into a service, into a product, meaning it doesn't become a product necessarily, but begins to look like one because you create this uh, formula that nicely designed that actually shows people the map of the journey they're going to go through over these six sessions or four days or whatever it might be. And that's what they buy into. And what you've done then is created intellectual property, which is really the value of your amazing genius distilled into something visible. And then on the back of that, you can create other assets. Now, obviously, you know, if everyone's doing one to ones at the moment, that's fantastic. Um, And that's one way of leveraging that knowledge by, you know, demonstrating together over these 12 whatever. Better still, an online program out of it that they do it themselves, as in take your knowledge and know-how, turn it into a process that you then utilize to create an online program that people can actually assist and get themselves through it. Maybe add some online support with it, maybe group coaching calls, etc., to unite people and to do Q&A such that they can ask you questions they didn't know the answers to. That also helps you fill in the blanks in your knowledge so that you can then add those to the training. I've got to ask, I've got to play devil's advocate for people at home here. Um, sounds like a great idea, set an online thing up to give support, but a lot of people may have gone through the conventional, certainly in England, but the conventional general hypnotherapy register, general hypnotherapy standards council, or one of the many other, you've got to be in our body and the brainwashing to believe you've got to, to to learn to be in business type courses and along the way they will have been i don't know if brainwashed is the right word but conditioned to believe that they've got to have this personal direct contact with a client to be able to help them now i know you know i know i know and i know more and more people know that that isn't the case and these days doing things via Zoom, Skype can be just as good or virtual as long as there's some sort of support system. But that's another hurdle that a lot of viewers, I guess, I'm going to have to overcome because they'll have been told by the person that they saw as their respected authority figure who taught them hypnotherapy that, you know, all these modern things are shy away from. Mm. Well, we we believe we believe that the world was flat once as well. So you know, uh, without being too terse, it's ultimately look things change and technology improves. In fact, it could be argued that the solution of doing stuff with an online uh, process could in fact be even better for the client for a few reasons. Number one, you've just taken away the travel aspect. Um, which makes it easier for them. Any session that you have with them can be recorded so they can actually replay it and watch it all over again and get double the value as well. So, you know, there's in many cases, it's much better. Now, I'm not saying people don't don't also provide the service 
which is the one-to-one done with you scenario. But if that's the only thing you offer, your price is going to be low. And the reason for it is because there's nothing below it that positions you as higher. So I charge £20,000 a day for one-to-one work. But you can attend my classes and courses for £3,000. And you can get some of the programs, the cheaper programs, for a few hundred pounds. So as a result of having other options that are lower down the food chain, if you like, it makes the top one more expensive. And that's how you get high paying clients, because otherwise you deposition yourself because you make yourself too available too early for too cheap a price to what is effectively an unqualified prospect. So you only really want to be working with selecting and choosing to work with the very best clients, because otherwise it's not a good use of your time and your talent. And if you don't charge enough, you probably end up getting people that aren't ultimately that motivated to change anyway. Um, And you're just another long line of therapists that failed to get the result for them. Um, And so, you know, in in order to counter that, you have to change it. Now, you know, another example of this would be Tony Robbins, who you mentioned earlier as well, is that Tony used to teach NLP years ago, um, you know, when it first came out. And then he changed it and came up with his own version, his neuro-associative conditioning process. Um, because, of course, NLP wasn't his. So if you want to create your own fr- framework, you've got to change things up a bit and add some stuff and take some stuff away. Now, he's probably not that admired by the NLP community, quite frankly. But I don't get that he's that bothered about it either. Because ultimately, you know, you know, if you're going to break away from the norm and create something special about yourself you know you just being another therapist like everybody else gives you no competitive advantage you've got nothing unique about you you haven't got a unique process you're just following the one you were taught years ago which essentially means nothing more than you're a commodity and it's a race to the bottom and who the cheapest is not a great idea for business so i totally get and understand people will be indoctrinated into thinking a certain way And that is ultimately true. And yes, you might create some waves, but my gosh, you have to create waves. Otherwise, what are you doing? You know, you're just like everybody else. Yeah, exactly. And I know that these are things that you do talk about in your programs and especially also in your book, Passion Into Profit, which Mm. uh, in terms of content, some books you get and you get like the nugget and then it's padded out with a lot of crap this is the other way um the, the well it's just it's pure content um and i'm not i'm not on commission viewers i'm saying it's pure content because i'm telling you you need to get that book and then actually take action on it the thing is as therapists watching this a lot of you will may have looked around and seen that locally therapist to charge and let's say for example 150 quid and some of you will have thought well i'll try and charge a little bit more and be charging 175 quid but that isn't enough in my personal opinion and that's definitely not enough in terms of the point that andy's getting across you've got to to stand out it's got to be blatantly obvious so that people are almost, I'd say, so that people are uh, think to themselves, well, if it's that bloody expensive, it must be good type scenario. Yeah, the greatest positioning tool of all is your price. You know, if you if you charge cheap, there is a presupposition that comes with that. If you charge the most expensive, there's a presupposition that comes with that. And the point is, 
that when, you, when you're pricing anything in business, you have to price in marketing. If all you do is charge what you think it's worth, but you don't add the marketing piece into the sale, guess what? You don't have any money to do marketing, which means that you're not going to do any marketing. You're not going to make any sales. When you buy an iPhone, you're not paying just for them, the, you know, the, the unit put together. You have to pay for Apple's marketing machine as well because they've got to add to afford to do the marketing. So you have to price marketing in. Otherwise, you can't market, and I'm afraid if you can't market, you are nobody in business, I'm afraid. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, sadly, most therapy courses don't cover the business side. That's why there's so That's many. Because they're led by people who are not very good at setting business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, people have not actually they, done anything. They're good, at, good at. they're good at the therapy side. But, you know, to provide an end-to-end -end solution, you can have the best thing in the world to help people but if nobody doesn't know about it you know you're the most best undiscovered talent in the world and frankly there are people out there who aren't as talented as some of the people listening to this call and yet they're making more money than them and that's a shame mm. um yeah because you know i couldn't agree more if 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 you've got enough money or rather you price things like andy said so that it's built into what you're getting paid then you can do your Facebook ads, you can do your Google campaigns, and it doesn't matter if you have to spend 500 quid to attract a client to buy a, say, 3,000 pound ticket to an event, because you still make two and a half grand profit in that example. But if you were just gonna charge them 500 quid, you've made absolutely nothing. So even if people are doing one-to-one -one work, you know, rather than selling an event, you have to sell a package. You can't just sell singular sessions. It doesn't make any sense um, because, you know, there's there's no way you can probably get the result in one session anyway for the client. Um, even if you could, they probably wouldn't believe you could anyway. Um, so sell a package solution of multiple sessions with people um, and or put that into an online program or a training course. You know, in essence, there's three types of solution. You've got the do-it-yourself solution, which is an online training thing. You've got a done with you solution, which can be delivered one to many through like a workshop. Then you've got the done for you solution, where in essence, you're customizing the solution for the client based on sitting in front of them. But either way, you want to have all three ideally uh, and priced accordingly so that when somebody first gets to know about you, um, you know, they can plug themselves in at whatever level makes sense based on the level of commitment of money and or trust at that point in time. But if they have to come and see you personally, um, you know, you're going to limit the number of people you're going to help because someone's problem has got to be at a certain level of intensity to sit down and talk about it, uh, which for most people, they don't have that straight where they're kind of hoping it goes away or just dipping their toe in the water, looking to see what solutions are available. But if they've got to physically sit down with you and talk to you about it, well, Long program that they can solve by themselves fantastic and if you're attached to needing to physically be there to get the result for people because of the feeling it gives you then you're thinking about yourself and you're not thinking about your client you want to give people the opportunity to get a result from you in a multiple format so what that means is loads of people getting the result more quickly because you can only help maybe maximum five people a day right probably the most you can really help Otherwise, you're going to be having no life. 
you know, it is possible. It completely is possible. And, you know, can you do it on a one-to-many basis? Well, I think Tony Robbins has proved that. I think he gets about 20,000 people a room and they all seem to pretty much like it and they all seem to pretty much come back again to have another go. So, you know, um, or new people coming in. So, you know, I, I, it seems to be working. So, you know, could you create a scenario? Could you create a generic solution that works for people well enough that they can resolve their issue? Um, I think proof out there and evidence is you can. Excellent. So that's one thing that people can certainly sit down and consider. Another is some people watching will already have products, but they don't know how to monetize them. Um, and probably the majority at the minute, they say there's a book inside everybody. Or these days, it could be just as easy an audio thing for therapists or a video or whatever. And one of the great ways of monetizing them, which you, without doubt, are the uh, expert at, is selling them at the back of the room. So offering your services as therapists could, for example, to their local Lions Group, Women's Institutes, Roundtable, give a talk on how the mind works and give some demos, perhaps lock some people's hands together and do a quick phobia cure or whatever, and then have a range of products to sell. Yeah. But it isn't quite as simple as that. That's what most people do. But I've observed, I've seen videos of you doing it. Uh, I spoke to people who have been in the room with you live. I'm not going to mention his name, but there's a, a, a magician friend of mine who absolutely idolizes you uh, because of your ability to close such a high percentage of the room and have them eagerly wanting to buy the products, courses and services you have available at the back of the room. And that's what most therapists do start going into doing their little local talks. They get the idea maybe, yeah, let's have some products there, but they don't realise that you need to actually sell them. How, how would you explain that to them? Well, there's there's multiple answers to this question um, and obviously we you know we have our own training programs that teach you how to do that you know that's what in essence my speakers university does is teach you how to put a presentation together that truly serves people gives them real value but at the same time also sells people so a couple of mistakes that i see is number one is do a presentation and just then just do like a bolt a sale on to the end that doesn't work because in essence, you haven't given people enough time to kind of make their mind up. You just sort of throw it on them at the last minute. And most people, buying decision takes a bit of a while to run. So you need to design the presentation with the end in mind, which is that at the end, you know, that, that you're going to making an offer. But you can't just throw it on people at the end. You have to simmer the sale throughout the presentation so it isn't, doesn't come out of left field and surprise people, number one. The second thing is you have to make an irresistible offer. So an irresistible offer isn't that you, you know, isn't, I don't know, that I'm going to sell you this flip chart pen, for example, and, you know, I'm going to package them together and give you four and I'm going to give you half the money off. That's not an offer. An offer is I'm going to give you this free pen, three others, a flip chart thrown in, plus a video on how to uh, use flip charts. You know, you need to add in more value into the offer to make it irresistible. Otherwise, you know, just a you know, just a bit of money off, for example, isn't normally going to be enough to tip people over the edge to do it. 
Um, so there's both a science and an art to the process. Um, and it starts at the very beginning. So from the very beginning of the presentation, in essence, there you're, you're positioning already. You've got to position the opportunity. You've got to position yourself. You know, you can't jump straight into teaching immediately because in essence, they're not ready yet to be taught anything. You haven't earned the right yet. They're not open. They're still closed. There's loads of different things that uh, that make a difference. Storytelling is very important because you weave different beliefs and handle objections within a story, for example. There's there's quite a few things. So it's not just the case of going up and, uh, you know, just teaching a couple of points and then, you know, chucking a sale on the end of hope that it works. I'm afraid you'll be quite disappointed with the results. Yeah, quite right. And I know no, this is the kind of thing you do covering your speakers university. And as I said, if you go on YouTube, there's some video, you get an insight into the kind of stuff you could learn if you were to attend Andy's course. And I noticed on one of the videos, I can't remember the name of which one, but I, you do, you mentioned, you verbally allude to it, but it's also obvious to me because I, I just sit there with a smile on my face your wonderful use of spatial anchoring. Mm -hmm. uh, now, anyone who's done NLP will know what I mean. Essentially, standing in a certain place when talking about negative things, standing in a different area of the stage when talking about positive things, so that when you want people to feel positive and uplifted, you go in to the place and stand where you've got them spatially anchored to. And that's just one of the many things that you, you teach at the Speakers University, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, I mean, that, that whole process there is really about creating a gap between, you know, where where the, the client is and where they want to get to. Because, you know, in all sales, unless there's a perceived gap between their current situation or to use an LP phrase, present state um, to where they want to get to desired state, then until that gap is there and the client appreciates it, um, then there's there's no gap to fill, in which case there's no sale to be made. So. There are a number of different things like that, but even the story, you know, a story has three acts in it. And uh, in each three acts, you, you, you ultimately should be in three different places. Now, a story is super simple. I mean, we can always make it complicated, but in essence, a story is, here's where I was, here's what I did, here's where I am now. You know, it's kind of super simple when you put it like that. Um, even a case study story is exactly the same. You know, a case study story is, here's John, here's where he was, here's what me and John did together, here's John's results now. It's super simple. Now, you wouldn't tell a story in that most simple, basic format. It's an art, but that's the science that's underneath it. It's super simple. So, yeah, um, it's not it's not easy to do it. But like anything, you know, people didn't one point learn how to drive a car. It took some effort to drive a car. Uh, you paid the money to drive it. You learned from an instructor who knew what they were doing. Um, and you actually had the experience of driving a car because the only way to do it is to do the thing itself. You have to drive the car. You can't learn to drive a car sitting in the passenger seat. You have to drive it. So in the same way, in our speakers program to teach you how to do this, to make sales from presenting in a webinar or on a stage somewhere or just a meeting, um, then, you know, we have to get you doing it. So for four days, we have you up, present, you know, learn what to do, create that part of the presentation, then perform it, get it critiqued, move on to the next piece. So over the course of four days, you're doing many different tasks that when you collectively put them together, it ends up being a brilliant presentation you can use to win yourself new business. Cool. And what people at home, um, the reason I'm asking the next couple of questions 
is not to as blatantly as it may seem can i make this clear i do not profit in any way from any speakers on hypnosis week at all um but one thing that would enter my head if i was watching at home would be to ask you the obvious question of how successful have your past students been in terms of walking away and actually being able to get the results that they were desiring in the real world yes good question so you know, we get a, a, a range of people who, for, you know, for whatever reason, either make millions from it or they make just tens of thousands from it. But again, most of that's down to two things. One is what is the market they're in? Because if you're in the market of making money or helping other people make money, you tend to make more money because it's more of a hard skill and people get can see a bigger return on their investment. So, mm -hmm. you know, we got people, for example, who teach property, stock market, education, internet marketing, you know, all the kind of money making stuff and they tend yeah. to make the millions. Whereas the softer skill kind of people who tend to help people alleviate a symptom or, or overcome some, some kind of emotional issue, relationship, that kind of stuff, they tend to make the hundreds of thousands. Uh, when I say that, I mean within, <clears throat> within 18 months to a year. So, because you know, I know it still sounds like a lot of money, but you know, when you're, let's say you've got 50 people in a room, um, as an example, and you're able to close 10 of those at the, at the eight pounds, well, that's 20 grand, isn't it? So to make a hundred grand, you've only got to do that five times in a year and you've made a hundred grand in revenue, haven't you? So, you know, there's always cost to do these things, but you know, in essence, the costs aren't particularly high. Um, but the key is to make sure you are charging a, a high price for what you do, not a few hundred pounds because you can't make it work. There's just, you know, if you charge a few hundred pounds for what you do, you're just guaranteed to have the worst customer service in the world because, well, you haven't, there isn't enough money to provide a great customer experience, is there? So that's super important to do. Sorry, my, uh, my doorbell going there with uh, one of those so doorbell things. So can you actually get paid them for doing the speaking? And well, I, well, I know it's possible to get paid for doing speaking keynotes and stuff because I do it. But I mean, in terms of but the ones that I do, would there's no I get a fee, show up, do a keynote for a corporate company to motivate them. And there's no way I'd be allowed to sell stuff at the back of the room. Yeah. They literally want me on stage, off stage, lurch your fee now. Off. Yeah. What um, the real money is in, are you showing, is it a case of like, offering your speaking message for free and making your money back of the room or can they get fees out of this as well well it's it's possible to do both um it depends on you know what you want to achieve um in a corporate setting anyway so you, you know you, you don't do the run to the back of the room thing anyway because the, the people in the audience aren't the buyers anyway so in those in those instances, you you do a keynote presentation, you get paid for it. Let's say I don't know three to five thousand pounds for delivering a keynote at a conference. But in essence, you you then follow up with the organisation and have a series of workshops that can help the organisation to implement the advice that you are making in the keynote presentation itself. So the real money there is made in the follow up and the workshops that you provide. Um, for that organization. So that's how you monetize that piece. And that's how you get paid both that way. Um, but also, you know, and, and I kind of guess this is what we're doing now. 
is that the other methodology for doing this is that you could do a webinar. So, you know, you could advertise on Facebook as we do, uh, get people into an, a webinar, which can be automated. And you don't have to fake that it's live. It's unnecessary. You can just, you don't say it isn't live. You just don't say it is live either. They make their own mind up. In essence, you can have that webinar running every 15 minutes. And that everything, like, so literally someone's got to wait no longer than 15 minutes for it to start. You might say, well, why not just run it straight away anyway? Because you want it to be an event because people operate differently when it's a timed event. Yeah. Um, otherwise, they can just leave it any time and come back to it. But when it's an event and it's going to start and finish, people behave differently. Um, and then, you know, you, the webinar can run for 30 minutes. At the end of 30 minutes, here's what you could do. You could, after 30 minutes, not sell them something at five grand. But what you could do is invite them on a call. And on that call, you can close them on something that's five grand. Now, you might say, OK, but aren't I going to be just giving loads of free calls to people then? Well, what you do is you put a step in between. That In essence, they fill out a questionnaire after they've completed the webinar and booked a call. The questionnaire, sorry, big the questionnaire, in essence, does the job that marketing's meant to do, which is disqualify people. So you're not intelligently put together questions that in essence tells you which people are worth calling and having time with and which persons are most likely to be time wasters or just don't have the money to invest in your solution anyway. And we do that and it works really, really well. And initially you will do the calls yourself because you don't have a team, but once this starts working, and that you, you're charging enough, probably there's enough to pay a commission to a salesperson to make those calls for you. Train them up to be a consultant type coach. They consult people through the call. And um, yeah, you could easily make what? 10 to 15 sales a month at say three to five grand, selling a package solution. And then what you do is you get to focus on doing the thing you're gifted to do, which is the work you do. You don't have to be involved in marketing or selling anymore because now you've done enough to build one or two people around you and the asset of the webinar is created. And the webinar really is like a great salesperson that never makes a mistake. It's always the same way every single time. In fact, I was just before, Alex, we got on the call, I was upstairs mm -hmm. actually recording my next webinar now that's going to be an automated right. one. Yeah. So um, it's super, you know, once you know, you know the, the once you know the, the formula for a great presentation i remember it's only half an hour because you don't want to you don't want to spend longer than half an hour because people you know on facebook haven't set aside a time at this point more than a half an hour probably to listen to the thing you're going to be doing so if it goes on for an hour and a half well most people won't hear the offer for the call because they've left by that point so you've got to get it in fairly quickly you're only selling a call anyway and it's free you can charge a small fee for the call if you want as well just as an extra qualifier but either way, this could work for you. So people got to figure out intelligently what's the right route to market for you. But I would say in every case, the right route to market will involve a presentation that is going to help qualify your clients as being your clients, state your position, show what it is you've got that helps them as in your solution formula. And then you need an offer to sell it to them, whatever that is. No matter what you're doing, face-to-face, one-to-one, one-to-many, online or in person, you need a presentation that's going to do it for you. And it can't be by chance. That has to be scientifically put together and artistically performed. And a great example of that is Andy's, which is at the link that will be below this video. So if you go to that link, you will visually see 
what Andy is talking about. So you know, please do yeah, that. It's not just just a thirty. It's a 30, about just about think about thirty-four minutes webinar, um, automated, so they can come watch it. Runs every fifty minutes. They just click it. They have to wait no longer than fifty minutes to watch it. At the end of it, if people want to talk to us, have a call because they're interested in becoming a client of ours and finding out all how it works, and we'll even give you some great advice on the call itself anyway, they can just reach out to us. You know, I always believe the greatest way to demonstrate you can help people is by helping people. You know, so as long as you help people, as if your marketing process, if your sales process has the effect of helping people, um, then you'll always move towards that and so will other people. If what you do to help people involves manipulating um, or trying to coerce them into doing something they don't want to do, then you're going to move away from it over time because you feel incongruent and uncomfortable. Your clients are going to move away from it. No one's going to say nice things about you. And, uh, you know, you, you'll get a bit of a bad reputation. I've got to say, you know, some people out there, they talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. I've got to tell the viewers, if you go on Facebook, uh, search out Andy Harrington Jet Set Speaker, Andy's Facebook page, he regularly sticks up content-rich videos um an example one the other week he was on holiday or, or, or overseas working and there were street sellers trying to harass people to buy stuff on the street and through the process of ending up buying these souvenirs he gave such a great lesson in bartering negotiating and business that was entertaining and educational at the same time there's so much content i really enjoyed that one um there's so much content rich stuff goes up there that really do check out that page. Do you, one thing that occurs to me, people watching might be thinking, great, so we could go on the uh, Speakers University, we'll learn how to weave the stories, put our message together and get in a position where we could go out there and then sell stuff back of the room. Sounds excellent. Yeah. Um, obviously, as you said before, you will give them the benefit of your experience in terms of how to get out there doing it. Do you run an agency at all? Can I guess, because you're so... You're, you're so well known that you must get people that you go and speak for asking you, do you know anyone who's, you know, a good fit for this type of event and stuff? Um, no, what we do, though, is we teach people how to fish. So we've also got another another program called the Get New Clients Now formula. And that, in essence, teaches everybody they need to know from start to finish how to do exactly what I just said. So in essence, you know, how do you create a, a webinar for 30 minutes that does the job I just said? So how do you get all the messaging right? Because a lot of the messaging in there is very important. You you can't have too much education in a 30-minute webinar. So a lot of it is positioning. A lot of it is pre-handling objections. Um, there's a lot of stuff goes in there. And then, you know, then, okay, now I've got that. How do I then do the Facebook advertising? So I have a whole series of online training on how to actually do the you know how to target the right marketplace how to put the ads together how to then manage the ads as they go through um, and then from there okay great so then how do i then um how do i get them booked on the call uh, what's the questionnaire part like what should that be like and then the call itself you know what's the whole call strategy is there a process for that that means i get highly converting calls as well so like there's five big modules in that training as well called the Get New Clients Now Formula. Um, there is a that we have separately from the content creation. So I'll, I'll give you that one, Alex, as well, and if people can put that down below as well. Okay. Um, but in essence, if you, yeah, so we've got 
we've got two things really. So you, you know, one is the content creation side to create the thing that you're selling at a high price, and the second thing is, okay, how do I sell it? You know, what's the process by how I fill a seminar room, or how do I fill my practice up and get you know fully booked, for example? You need both parts. Otherwise, just one part without the other one is a bit lopsided. You know, you end up saying brilliant, but you can't sell it. Well, you can sell something, but you've got something shit to sell. So it doesn't really work. You need kind of both parts, which is, um, you know, that's my business in essence, is is helping people to discover the the talent they've got and how to best bring it to market en masse and then obviously sell it in a broader way as well so they can actually get paid, you know, what their talent really deserves without, you know, working themselves into an early grave. Excellent. Now, sadly, the the hour's fast running out. We've only got 10, 11 minutes left. So can we briefly touch on, you also run uh, your Power to Achieve events, which I summed up at the start as being kind of like Anthony Robbins-style in the sense that you do fire walking, the bar bending stuff. And this is me playing devil's advocate here on purpose, which I always do. And it doesn't mean that, you know, it's not negative. It's got to ask. Bar bending. It's a, it's a trick. Fire walking. It, as long as it's set up right, it's not the least bit dangerous. It's thermodynamics. Uh, it's the cake in the tin. The tin's hot. The same temperature as the cake, but you can touch the cake, you don't get burned, touch the tin, you get a blister. Um, the circus stunts that I grew up watching my dad doing the circus, yogi stunts. I've always, frankly, found it a bit farcical. And it's fine, it, work, it works. I'm not saying they don't work, because I've used some of them myself. But you've got... Well, it, NLP and stuff talks about things like congruence and authenticity and stuff. And in these self-help seminars, it gets presented as if you walk on the fire, it's a metaphor that you can achieve anything in life. And quite often, from what I've seen, everyone who does these tends to, so that it's got that metaphoric value, present it as law. It's not possible to do these things without having gone through this important seeming ritualistic process, which some might argue is a bit unethical. And at the end of the day, they're just circus sideshow stunts. What's your view on that? Well, a few different a few different points of view on that. Number one is I think it's important to have a, a, a set of rules and rituals behind doing activities because even though those activities, when performed well, are indeed, as you said, much easier than they might otherwise look. Um, But you need to have a process otherwise, you know, with a group of people, you know, if they do it incorrectly, you know, inherently, they can harm themselves. You know, Mm -hmm. if you do a bar bar bend, for example, and you don't use the bit of tissue uh, to, you know, protect your throat, if it slips, you are going to basically slit your throat. So, you know, it's kind of like important to follow some rituals. Um, similarly with fire walking, you know, if you dilly dally across, then thermal damage or not, you stick around too long on that fire walk and don't get yourself across it fairly rapidly, you are going to burn your feet. Mm. So you need to have some rules around that, which is important. But I think, you know, as with all these things, we freeze the belief about it being difficult is in people's minds so 
you know, that's the same for anything. You know, like we, we spoke today, you know, it might seem a ginormous task to create, you know, a, a webinar sequence that produces your results. But from someone who's sat there and done it, looking back that way, I'd say, actually, it's really easy. Um, but that's easy to say when you've done it, right? But then, you know, you've got to lend people those beliefs, haven't you? You know, if you've done it, you know, you've got to lend people the belief that it's easy. And then you, the key is to be able to give them the evidence that it's easier than they think and also give them the steps to follow so they can follow it easily. Because like any task, if you approach it incorrectly, it will be bloody hard to do. Um, and so that's what I like to do is frame things this way and say, look, you know, this task is easier than you think it can. But maybe many of the tasks that you do in your life will be a lot easier than they think you can. Now, in your mind at the moment, walking on fire might seem incredibly hard, but actually it's just five steps. And provided you walk rapidly across, provided that you don't dilly-dally and you don't end up doing something you shouldn't, then you're going to walk across pretty much unharmed because for just those five seconds, you know, your feet won't feel the burn. And by the time we sprayed your feet with water on the other end, you know, you're going to be feeling great. But then hopefully what you'll take from that is that maybe there's other stuff you can do that in your mind is hard, but actually in reality is much easier because that's the truth of life in general, isn't it? Because all problems that we have exist because of inaction, reaction or wrong action um, that cause you to fibrillate and not really do very much to move you into right action. But right action is always the scariest thing to do, like walking across fire, like bending a metal bar, but it's the right action is scary in your head. It's not really scary in reality, because like when you walk across fire, you know, once you take the first step, you're probably going to take the second, third, fourth and fifth because, you know, you're in the process of doing it. It's always in your mind that things are hard. There's always an inertia in the beginning. And one of the great lessons of life is momentum. When you're in the momentum of doing something that's working, just keep going, you know, keep on building on that momentum. So many people have a what I call the crazy eight, where they, they start something, you know, they're in, no, they're comfortable, 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 start something new, and then it's a little roadblock, and they go back to what they know, and they end up being in a crazy eight loop, where they're like yo-yoing between doing stuff they want to do, and running back to the relative safety of what they know. Um, but once you get in momentum here, in this, you know, the new piece, if you stick here long enough, and you do it long enough, it becomes second nature, it becomes easy. And our three brains that we say that we have, which is our neocortex, our limbic system and our cerebellum start working coherently with each other. And the key is identity. Once we get to a place where the stuff we do becomes so motor use, so, so such, such that we are doing it automatically, it becomes like part of our cerebellum and our motor movement. It's just like second nature to do these things that it becomes an identity, it becomes who we are. It's no longer a behavior, it's who we are. And your identity, once you have that, it's hard to shake. It's hard to shake your identity because you just see yourself that way. And everything you do, everything you say yes to, everything you know to, every performance you give, everything you do is in harmony and resonance with how you see yourself and your identity. So my events really are trying to get people to either claim an identity about themselves that they pushed away because many of us have grown up trying to become someone we thought we had to become in order to win the approval and love of other people. And our real self, whatever we call that, our, you know, our, our, our self before this shit happened, 
is pushed right way down there on your timeline somewhere. I like to think about people, you know, imagine a photograph of yourself, the earliest photograph you can imagine in your mind as a kid. Because everyone's got that photograph and wearing that school uniform or that strange outfit, whatever it was. <laughs> now imagine that little you still waiting all the way down there on your timeline in the forlorn hope that you'd come back and reclaim them. Because you've grown up as an adapted human being, adapting and trying to become someone you thought you had to become. I'm here to tell you that no success, happiness, no joy that you get in your life will ever be long lasting unless you get to be with yourself, unless you get to experience it with your true self. If it's the adapted you, a part of you says, yeah, but I've got this because I've made it up because I faked it because of this, because of that. And when you're when your true inherent self are in, united with each other, remember that little you is so creative, so spontaneous, so, so, so loving. That's the person you were meant to be. But for some reason, because of harsh treatment, because of loss, because of failure, because of setback, because of conflict, because of abandonment or whatever it might be. And you're not unique in this. I'm sorry to say everyone's experienced it somehow, some way that you become an adapted version of yourself and maybe have also created your own coping mechanisms. Now, a coping mechanism doesn't have to be something like smoking, but it could be. A coping mechanism, in essence, is, a, is an adapted self. And I think there's four. I think there's the controller, the pleaser, the computer, and the distractor. These are different patterns that people fall into as protective measures in order to stay out of their shit and ultimately to try to distract themselves from it, control it, um, or indeed please others as a way of trying to get validation or dissociating itself from it as the computer. And those shadow selves, as I call them, they are really not good to use. The problem is, is when you want to become successful, you move through life into the unknown, you're going to experience more stress. And if that triggers in you a shadow self behavior to come out, it's going to slow you down or make you run back to what you know. So one of the reasons that Power to Achieve exists is to help people to recognize their true self, their earlier self, reclaim that and almost not destroy, but begin to eradicate more our adapted response to life such that we don't have to run out of fight, flight or fear anymore. And actually we move through life just doing the things we want to do, enjoying our life we want to, not worried about money, not worried about other people's opinions but just living our life on our terms with our people around us, um, not worrying overly about where the things go wrong, because no matter what, you can't lose yourself. And as long as you realize you can't lose yourself and that you'll always be there for yourself and all the vehicles around you that you've got, all of the various people, situations, you can lose them all, but it won't matter because you still got yourself. When you've got that part of yourself that's there, it allows you to go forth into the world be adventurous, do new things, test out new ideas, help people and create a business that hopefully outlives you and outlasts you in a way that ultimately defines that your life was something amazing. And I always like to say to people like, you know, once you die at the end of your life, once you're gone, when's the last time somebody will mention your name? Like how long will your name live on? You know, will your name die? the day that you die and nobody really talks about you anymore because you didn't touch the lives of your children that much. So they don't really think about you that much or you were too afraid to have children maybe, or you're too afraid to connect to young people and be a mentor and guide someone. 
You didn't create the book. You didn't create the program. You didn't train people to do what you do. You didn't create a movement. You didn't let leave something behind. That I think is a great shame and a waste of people's life because I believe we've all got talent. We've all got knowledge. We've got know-how. We've got experience that we can help other people with. But often at our own insecurity, we won't share that um, because we think it's not enough. Um, if I'd done that many years ago, you know, and believe that who would listen to me when someone like Tony Robbins is around, who would listen to me when there are other people doing this longer than I, then you and I wouldn't be having this conversation today. Um, your audience wouldn't be hearing this message and I wouldn't have touched the lives of people I've touched. And I'm not the finished article. I'm not perfect. I never will be. And I don't try to pretend to be. And I don't try to encourage other people to pretend they are either. Just be yourself, but be the best version of yourself you can be. Be the true version of yourself you can be. And then maybe, just maybe, your light will shine on other people and hopefully their life will seem less dark and you might also create not only a friend, but maybe an ongoing um, advocate for what you do. Wow. Well, I'm sure everyone watches it. I say this every week, but this t- this time it's just pfft, levels above. Get a notepad, get a pen, watch this video again and take notes. There is pure gold in the past hour, but beyond gold, there is diamonds in the past few minutes. And I know having read it that when you go to Amazon and order a copy of Passion Into Profit, these kind of subject matters, finding your true self, building on it, finding where your talent shine and then monetizing and bringing them to the world are covered in that book. That's a low entry start point for you. If you're thinking there was mention of expense before, get the book and see how much value that's in there. And that will show you exactly what Andy was saying. Go to the links below this video. Take the free webinar. And I'm not saying take it so that you get sucked into the sales process, because as Andy said, it's not about that. But to have a look at it for an example of what you could do yourself. The truth is a lot of you uh, who engage in it will see a lot of worth in that and will make that decision to, you know, perhaps learn how to do the public speaking correctly and sell your message and make more money and go on the Speakers University. But whatever you do, do check out the links below. Do check out Andy's Facebook page where the videos are, whether you want to learn from them or not, they're bloody entertaining as well, as you'll see. And thank you so much, Andy, for sparing the past 60 minutes out of your busy schedule. It's uh, been much appreciated. Absolute pleasure. Um, you know, the, the lovely thing, about uh speaking and sharing is you can't not benefit from it yourself you know you're sharing that knowledge but in doing so you're always listening aren't you and you know in doing so you get to remind yourself of the key gold nuggets the diamond that you say that are in essence ones that you have as core beliefs yourself but it's nice to get an opportunity to speak about them because they get reinforced so i'd like to thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that not only for your audience but also for myself thank you So everybody, do what I say. Get a pad, get a pen, take notes, click on the link below and uh, we'll see you in a week's time for another edition of Hypnosis Week. Thanks again, Andy. Bye for now.